Good morning, everybody. Everybody good? Beautiful Sunday. Great day to be in God's house. Open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. And uh, as you do, let me uh, just give you some updates for the uh, health of the church family. First off, James Ollers, one of our men, Jim Ollers, died at home Friday, uh, this past Friday. Uh, Sandy stepped outside, turned back around, came back in the house, and he was in the floor dead, never able to bring him back. Very unexpected. So pray for Sandy and the family. Funeral will be Tuesday at 2 o'clock at J.C. Kirby Lovers Lane. So pray for the Ollers family. Pray for Sandy. Uh, Darlene Norman Ackerson, their daughter Heather, is still uh, really in need of our prayers. Uh, newly diagnosed with stage 4 cancer and a lot of questions still unanswered. So pray for Heather and Darlene and for Norman. Uh, continue to pray for Gail Morgan, uh, uh, who is in hospice care now. Uh, pray for Gail in her final days as well. Um, Jake and Dory have a new baby who's still at, at Vanderbilt, uh, some weight to gain and uh, some strength to earn before he can come home, but keep that family in prayer as well. So many needs at all times uh, in our church family. Can we just stop right now and pray for one another? Will you pray with me? Lord God, it's you that we need, always you. You're the only one who will never leave us, never forsake us, Lord, so Will you just help us never to doubt your presence, your goodness, your strength to get us through? God, sometimes we may feel lonesome, but we will never, ever be alone. Remind us of that. Be near us. And God, even though you're all that we need, you have placed us in this great church family, Lord, because uh, it pleases you to work through uh, us, that you might do your best work, Lord, through, uh, as we serve one another. So God, will you help us to be there? to be here for one another in all the ways that we need one another. God, truly, you're the only one that we need, but it feels so good to have a friend who calls or comes by or just remembers that we need food. God, it is just so good when we live together as sisters and brothers in peace and harmony and love. So you help us to love each other better and to walk more faithfully with one another through all the highs and lows of life. God, on any given Sunday, there is always one in our presence who is weeping and one in our presence who is rejoicing, and it is always our duty to weep with the one who weeps and to uh, rejoice with the one who rejoices. And in that, Lord, we share our burdens and this wonderful life that you give us to live together. Help us, Lord, to love each other and love you most of all. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 10. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. In this passage, Paul will use the analogy, the language of clothing, what you put on, what you take off, what is appropriate for a Christian to be covered with. We're not really talking about fashion. We're talking about character and the life that we live together. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Are you there? If you're there, say there. Okay, let's read. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Put on your new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. <laughs> okay, I gotta stop. Um, I, I know some of you sometimes question what your purpose in life is. You know, what, what's, what's the meaning of life? Why are you here? What does God have for you? What does he want you to do? And the answer is right there. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do to earn a living. This is your purpose. And it says it very plainly. Underline Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, where it says your, your, your duty, your responsibility is to be renewed as you do two things. You learn to know your creator. 
So that's your first job. You are here to learn to know God, to grow every single day in knowledge and worship of him. You want to learn to know God. And then the second part goes with that. You learn to know God so that you can what? Become like him. Yeah, so this is the purpose of your life, to know God, and you'll continue to learn more and more about him as you walk with him. Come to know God so that you can become like him. That's what life is about. Verse 11, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Uh, bear with one another. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must, you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. I love all that. There is so much there for us. And it's um, us as the body. We're reading a passage here that is directed toward believers, uh, directed toward Christians, and we're talking about our life together. So go back with me in verse 11. Let's start right there. In this new life, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Paul says you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, um, barbaric, uncivilized, slave-free. Uh, doesn't matter. Yeah. Notice what Paul is doing there. He is going through a list of ways in which we're different. Ways in which, especially in his day, people would think of themselves as different. The, the different boundaries they would draw so that they could identify you know, us from you, us from them. But notice, this list of things that Paul says, they don't matter, these things don't matter. I'm telling you they mattered. To people in Paul's day, these are the things that mattered. In the early church, especially Jew, Gentile, that's a big deal. The Jews are the Old Testament people of God. The Gentiles are pagans. They, they've never had the revelation from God, you know, not, not the law, not the history of salvation. I mean, it matters. Jew, Gentile, that matters. Paul says it doesn't. Circumcised, uncircumcised. We're talking about religious preferences here. Paul says it doesn't matter. But in the church, it mattered. People really cared about this, whether believers were becoming circumcised like the Jewish people or whether they were just walking into Christ uncircumcised. Paul says, it doesn't matter. But I'm telling you, in this day, people would burn a church down over that. I mean, that mattered. Paul says, it doesn't matter. Barbaric. <laughs> you know, that, that word is an interesting word. It's a Greek word that is just the word that comes from the noise that Greeks used to make when they made fun of everybody else. Greeks were very proud of their language, the Greek language. It is a beautiful language, and they loved the way their language sounded. And the Greeks used to say that every other language just sounded like noise. They said that it sounded like bar, 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 bar. Like, I'm not making it up. That's what they said. 
that every other language was just noise, bar, bar, bar. And so they called everybody else that didn't speak Greek, they called them barbarians, bar, 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 bar. They're making fun of their language. Paul says it doesn't matter. What kind of language barriers we have, it doesn't matter. Civilized, uncivilized, slave-free, none of this matters. Paul is saying, you know, we're different. We're different in all the ways that we're different, but it doesn't matter because Christ is all that matters. We're talking about in the church. Christ is all that matters. It doesn't matter what race, Jew, Gentile, none of that matters. Race doesn't matter. Well, Pastor Tim, what if my son brings home a girl from another race? What if he's dating? Well, my question is, is, uh, is, does she know Jesus? You, you know? Because Christ is all that matters. Race doesn't matter. Christ is all that matters. Does she love Jesus? Does he love Jesus? Then it sounds like we got ourselves a good couple. You know? Do they love Jesus? Christ is all that matters. What language just speak, religious preferences, you know, none of this matters. Christ is all that matters. We must not let differences divide us, and you must not let the ways in which we're different begin to cause you to let there be separation between you and other believers. Christ is all that matters. But, but now, we are different. We are. Some of you are really different. And the thing about difference is um, our differences will always sort of create opportunities for, uh, for you and me to mm, uh, offend each other, annoy each other, get on each other's nerves, rub each other the wrong way. I mean, differences sometimes, Paul says they don't matter, but man, in everyday life, man, a difference can make a difference, especially in the day we're living in, man, I'm telling you, uh, it seems like Everybody in the world these days is, is becoming more and more quickly and easily offended. You know what I mean? It's like everybody's on edge, and, and you can say the wrong thing so quickly, and you can, you can make somebody so mad. Uh, social media, it, this is all people do. They, they just argue back and forth and get offended and cancel an unfriend and all, all that mess. I don't know what's wrong with people. Um, I'd say everybody's just getting too sensitive, but then, you know, that would be offensive, I, I guess. Um, people are really sensitive. People are really, really offended all of the time. Um, l l let me say this. In, in a world where it's becoming easier and easier to offend someone, you must be the one who is unoffendable. Now, I'm not trying to be cute or, or, or anything. I'm telling you the way in which, one of the ways in which we're going to be different we're not the world. The world is getting more and, and more divided and, and more and more willing to argue and hate and just spew at one another. But we are not the world. We are the people of God. It is so easy to offend people these days. You can offend people and you didn't mean to offend them. You didn't even know what you said that set them off. You know, one day I was walking in a restaurant in Bowling Green and I do this sort of thing. I held the door open. I hold the door open for everybody. If somebody's behind me, I just let people go first. It's just my habit. But this lady, I'm holding the door. She's walking past. As she walks past, she says, you don't have to hold the door open for me just because I'm a woman. I wanted to slam that door so, you know. No, I mean, I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. But you know what? I'm, what is her problem? I mean, first off, I'm not holding the door open because you're a woman. I'm holding the door open because I'm kind, you know. I'm a kind person, and I'm just trying to show kindness. And since when is kindness? I mean, why did my kindness flash straight up her nose? I don't really understand. I was just trying to be nice, you know. How, 
How could that, you know, set me off on the wrong foot with a stranger? Just being nice. I'm just saying this is how people are, but that's not how we're going to be. That's not how we are because of Jesus. The Gospel of John says that Jesus was the only only one who didn't need anybody to tell him anything about anybody because he already knew the heart of every person. Jesus knew the heart, and Jesus knows the human heart. He knows how we are, every single one of us. You can't tell him something he doesn't know about any of us. And so Jesus knows the heart. He knows how everybody is. He knew what people were thinking while he was talking, and they were often thinking really nasty things. I mean, that's just how people are, especially in relation to Jesus. They got offended at Jesus all of the time. But understand, Jesus was never offended, You don't see a single place where Jesus stomps off because somebody hurt his feelings. You don't see a single place where Jesus gets angry because somebody doesn't show him respect or appreciation. Jesus never walked in the world like that, and he's the one that we're trying to learn about and become more like. So Jesus is our example. Jesus was unoffendable. Turn the other cheek, right? I mean, that was Jesus' whole way of life, and this is to be our way of life. We are to live in the world, not like everybody else, but when everybody else is so quick to offense, we are going to be unoffendable. Make sense? Now, let's break it down. First off, I'll be honest, being offended is natural. We are human, and it is human to want to be you know, respected. It's human to want people to love you and notice you and recognize you and appreciate you. It's just, it's just human. If you show kindness, you want kindness back. That's all human. And so it is natural to be offended. People can be offensive. And it's just natural sometimes to have, have something get on your nerves. I don't like it when people chew with their mouth open. You know what I mean? You ever had lunch with somebody and they're just... You know, like a water buffalo, like, what, what kind of beast are you? You know, I have a good buddy, and that's how he chews. You know? Am I going to keep taking him to lunch? Not really often, to be, not all the time. No, no, no you know, it's just, it's just kind of human. He's just got that, you know, he doesn't know he does it. I don't think he knows he, he's, he's, he's doing it, but he doesn't know. And uh, you know what I mean? It's just, that's just human. There, there are things, that you have little, you know, quirks that you don't like, you know, when people do, you know, you don't like when people say, you know, words wrong or spell things wrong or bad grammar. I mean, we, we just all have these things. It's, it's in some ways very natural to be offended, and I just want to recognize that. And I want to tell you the truth that being unoffendable is supernatural. You know, that's supernatural. I mean, everybody gets offended and can be offended, but we're talking about a a different kind of living, a different way of being in the world, and this is supernatural, which means we're not going to get this way on our own. We need Christ. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to be changed so that we can live in the world more like Jesus and less like the world. So talking about being uh, unoffendable. I'm getting it straight from Scripture. I mean, I'm talking about the passage right here where it says, since God chose you, verse 12, God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. What do all of those qualities have in common? Mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. What do they have in common? These are all relational qualities. In other words, they only really, these are tools that you use in relationship with other people. 
These are tools. And, and, and these are things that are, that are gifts for us as believers. This is you know, just the way that we walk in the world. We're going to be tender-hearted with people, soft-hearted. You see, that's only really important in relationship. You probably are soft-hearted toward yourself. But I'm talking about the way you are with other people. You're not going to be hard-hearted. You're going to care about them. You're going to have a heart that breaks with the things that break. You're going to care. You're going to be merciful and soft-hearted toward people. Do you see that? And the whole list is like that. Kindness. Kindness is something you show other people. It's a, it's a relational quality. Gentleness. Patience. We talked about this a lot, y'all. Patience is something I struggle with. Patience is something you only really need when you are in the presence of somebody who makes you want to jump out a window. That's when you need patience. For me, it's when I get behind a slow driver. I don't understand like where people are going that they're in such a, a, a non-hurry to get there. You know what I mean? I go crazy. I mean, and please, if you see me behind me, just pull over and let me by. You know, let me get by you. You know, I just, I don't understand that. But that's what I'm saying. It's patience. And it's something that the Holy Spirit is developing in me. And the only way to develop that is to keep putting me in situations with people who will try my patience. You see that? These are relational qualities. And it goes on. Verse 13. Bear with one another. Make allowance. New Living Translation says, make allowance for each other's faults. Bear with one another and forgive one another. So there are two things here, and I want us to talk about these two things today. Forbearance, bear with people, and forgive people. This is what we're going to do so that we can live in the world without being offended. Bear with people, forgive people. Let's start with forbearance. Let's start with bearing with people. I would define it this way. Forbearance means that you overlook in others the same kind of things that you hope they overlook in you. Y'all know what I'm talking about? This is forbearance. New Living Translation says make allowance for, for, for each other's faults. Everybody's human. Nobody's perfect. You're not perfect. And you understand that. And you just sort of expect that everybody else understands that too. So you probably realize that, I don't know, maybe you don't realize, when I mean, people have to overlook a lot just to get along with you. You have annoying habits just like the rest of us. You make mistakes. You forget things. And, and we're all the same way. And because we're all the same way, Paul expects that because of the Holy Spirit, we will learn how to bear with one another. We'll, we'll cut each other some slack for the basic reason that we're all the same. We're all human. Now, I have a feeling that you're like me in, in this sense. I, I hear everything I just said as it came out of my mouth, and I agree with it. At the same time... In my mind, what I'm really thinking is, yeah, 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 nobody's perfect and, and everybody's difficult, but I'm easy. You know what I mean? It's like, I know you, all of you people are hard to get along with, but I think I'm easy to love. I'm, I'm quite lovable. You know, is my, my wife, Casey, right here. In our marriage, probably one of us is harder to love than the other, and it ain't me. I, I mean, you know, in my mind, y'all know what I'm saying? This is how we are. I use myself as the, as the standard of what's normal, and everybody else is weird. All of you are weird. I'm the normal one. And so even though we understand that nobody's perfect, everybody's got to bear with everybody, we don't really often understand the way that people have to bear with us. Now, very often in my life, I'm the one bearing with other people. That's how it is. Man, one day... I got into a van load of strangers. We didn't know each other at all. 
And uh, we were making a trip to Washington, D.C. on a you know, white 15-passenger van, and we loaded at like 6.30 in the morning. It was terrible. So early. And uh, it was like a 15-passenger van, and I think there were 17 of us with bags. So we were packed in there for what was going to be an all-day drive, so it's already going to be fun, right? And so I... I you know, being a person who always thinks of others, I got by the window as fast as I could. So I had to, I had to see, I just needed, I just wanted oxygen, y'all. A van, you know, 17 people, 15 passenger van. And these windows only like crack open like two inches. You know, so my plan was just to like try to get oxygen, you know, out of this crack in this window for, you know, eight hours, 10 hours. And um, so I'm on this bench seat and uh, four of us, you know, gosh, so so tight. And uh, next to me was this really, really sweet, really delightful uh, little Asian woman. And so uh, y'all know me. I, I talk to that screen. I'll talk to that chair. I'll just talk. i talk to anybody. So I just thought, man, we're going to talk for eight hours. She's going to love this. And I started talking, and it turns out she didn't speak a lot of English at all and didn't seem real interested in engaging with me. So I just thought, okay, so I pulled out a book, and I'm just going to read now all the way to D.C. I'm happy. I'm just going to read now. So I was just reading, and she was just sitting there with her hands folded. And then in a moment, she reached down in her bag, and she started fishing out, and she got this big old Tupperware bowl. She took the lid off. And the smell of, it's 631, the smell of something hit me right in the face, y'all. And I looked in that bowl, and it was all noodles. Now, I recognize in other cultures, man, people might eat, a noodle breakfast, but that's not, you know, that is not how I, how I do. And I mean, the smell of those noodles was so strong in my, in my nose, in my face. I mean, they were like brown noodles and man, I don't know what they were seasoned with, but it was, man, it was hard. And she's just right here, you know, eating them, uh, which is fine. You know, it's, it's just, it's all okay. She's eating with chopsticks, which I thought was really cool, but I didn't want to just, you know, stare at that. I, I, that was cool. So anyway, she slurped down this giant, I mean, every, she ate every noodle. She ate that whole bowl of noodles. She put the lid back on the Tupperware, put it back in her bag. She sat back, and, you know, with her hands folded. I don't think it was five minutes, y'all. About five minutes goes by, and she leans over to me. She hasn't really said anything to me. She leans over and says, this is going to be terrible for you, but I am about to be sick. I had seen those noodles go down the first time, you know, and now she's telling me that, that we're about to see that little noodle surprise again. I mean, it's all coming back. So I just quickly, you know, always thinking of others, I said, please sit by the window. So I swapped with her and I put her by the window and I don't know how to say anything in her language, but I was trying to say puke out the window. You know, I was trying to show her how she could go, you know, in that little bit two-inch crack. Because I didn't want her to turn and puke on me. And I'm just trying to go that way, you know, puke that way. And she never did throw up, which if she had of it, would probably would have been better for all of us. But she never threw up. She just sat there for like eight hours, and about every 20 minutes or so, she'd go, that was terrible. Uh, now, uh, she was a really dear lady. And that trip was much worse for her. She was sick the whole time. You know what I mean? And so it did require a little bit of forbearance on my part. It was, it was, it was hard for me too. Um, but it was harder for her. I recognize that. Sometimes you just bear with people, you know. And then sometimes I know that I am the one that people are bearing with. I don't always 
think about that as much as I should, but I'm not necessarily a brilliant, you know, ray of sunshine in every situation either. Um, <laughs> one day at Western, they had this big lecture, invited the community. Uh, is one of the new imams in town, imam, I-M-A-M, he is a Islamic religious leader, and he was come to lead one of the new Islamic centers, one of the new mosques in town. He was new in town, and uh, so the, a group of uh, Islamic students invited him uh, to give a lecture. He was simply talking about how to get along in, in the neighborhood, how to understand and relate to Muslims. And uh, so he did, it was wonderful. He talked for 75 minutes. He talked about Muslim culture. He talked about their family life. He talked about the food and their festivals and, and important days and just the cultural things that we could know so that we could get along with each other and, and live together. I loved it. I really, really loved it. It was just really interesting and enlightening. So at the end of his talk, 75 minutes, which went by really fast, at the end of his talk, he, he was standing down at the front of the auditorium. So I just went down there to speak to him because that's just me. You know, I just want to say, hey, I'm pastor, you know, welcome to Kentucky, welcome, uh, invite him to church, whatever. You know, I just want to get to know him and, and, and be friendly. So I'm standing this long line and standing behind him is a woman and I'm realizing that's probably his wife, and nobody's talking to her. How terrible that nobody's talking to her. So I decided that I'll just step out of line, and I'll go say, I'll go welcome her. I'll go shake her hand and tell her welcome to Kentucky, and just let, you know, I just want to be friendly to her. So I started approaching her. Seemed like a good idea, right? I started walking toward her, and when I got about this close to her, and she saw me coming at her with my hand out, she started backing up, going, ah, 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 and then people started shouting in foreign languages. And then somebody grabbed me and pulled me back. And I'm thinking, what is happening? What just happened? Y'all know what happened? I happened. It was me. And I'm standing back, I have no idea what just happened. And, and then the, the imam, the guy that did the lecture said, Muslim women cannot be touched by any man that's not their husband. So now I'm thinking two things. The first thing I'm thinking is, that would have been a really good tip to include in your 75-minute lecture. You know, you should have said that. I mean, I'm not kidding. Tell me that. Say that, you know, because that's really important. This is Kentucky, y'all. I mean, I just walk, you know, I'm like Gomer, you know, walking over, you know, to shake the woman's hand. I didn't know. I really didn't know. I didn't mean to be offensive. I wouldn't have wanted to offend them. I, I, I did not want to be the person who shut down the whole auditorium, but I was. I, I didn't mean that. I was embarrassed. I felt terrible. I apologized. I just didn't know. I, I offended them, but I did not mean to, and I did not know. So first thing I'm thinking is you should have said that in your lecture. The second thing I'm thinking is we are all lucky I didn't hug her. I mean, I probably could have gone in for a hug. I mean, that, that's me too, you know? I mean, I'd have to call the State Department or something on, I mean, at that point. I just didn't know you all. And so in that situation, I recognized I was offensive. I mean it. And, and I asked forgiveness. And, you know, I mean, I, I, that's all I could do. I'm sorry. I just know that Sometimes people have to bear with me too. This is what Paul is talking about here. We have to bear with one another. Bear with people. Recognize that everybody's just people 
And everybody's different, and, and people are going to do things you don't necessarily like. But just because you don't like it doesn't mean they're doing something wrong. And just because they may have a habit that annoys you, it doesn't mean they wouldn't make a really good friend. You know, get over yourself. If you were a parent, did you ever have a moment when your, your kid runs in crying, and you're like, oh, what happened, what happened? And she's like, <laughs> and you're like, are you hurt, are you hurt? And it turns out she's not hurt. So what do you say? Go outside and play. You know? And honestly, in your life, about you know, twice a day, somebody probably needs to come to you and go, are you hurt? You know, you're mad, but are you hurt? Anything actually happened here? Because honestly, some of what we get mad about, it's, it's the smallest of things that you just don't know how to get over. And I'm telling you, well, Pastor Tim, she hurt my feelings. Well, you know, just because your feelings are hurt, that doesn't mean somebody committed a sin. It doesn't mean they did anything wrong. Just let it go. You hurt people's feelings too all the time, and they just let it go. That's what we do. We're human. We forget each other's names. Forget each other's birthday. You come to church, somebody going to be sitting in your pew. And I just tell you right off, you don't have a pew. You know, nobody has a pew. Sit wherever you want, you know. But you come in, it's like, you know. Who do I think they are? Well, they sat down in a seat. Go find yourself one, you know. And, and, and get on with life. Man, there's a lady painted her front door in her neighborhood. She went to Porter Paints and bought the color Palace Blue. Beautiful, painted man. It really was pretty. And so the neighbor across the street, she came over and said, "Man, you're the front of your, you, that that just opened up the whole front of your house. Your door is beautiful." The lady said, "Thank you so much. You know, just a little bit of paint makes a big difference. It's Palace Blue at Porter Paints. She spit that out there. It's Palace Blue at Porter Paints. She so you know what the neighbor across the street did. You know what that lady did? She went to Porter Paints and bought Palace Blue and painted her front door. What the other lady do? Oh, it made her so mad." You won't believe what she did. She went straight to the paint store and she bought the very same paint and painted her door. Like they don't talk anymore. Am I the only one that thinks that's weird? It's paint. It's a door. Porter Paints will sell paint to anybody. You know, you don't own Palace Blue. I mean, you know, what is that even about? How, how can you cut a person out of your life over a shade of paint. But this is how we are. You're not hurt. You're not hurt. And, and she didn't mean to hurt you. you know, take it as a compliment. I, I mean, you know, and, and just let it all go. Just, just let it go. Now notice I'm not using the word forgive here. The word is forbearance, forbear. This is stuff we just bear with because we're going to save forgiveness for the big stuff. I mean, honestly, look past the small stuff. Let's say forgiveness for the big stuff. Now, this is what I'm trying to challenge you here. You've got to learn how to know the difference between little stuff and big stuff. We're going to say forgiveness for the big stuff, but a whole lot of stuff that you get mad about, just grow up. Shake it off. Move on. Let it go. It's not worth it. They did not mean to hurt your feelings. That wasn't about you. You didn't get invited to the party. So what? You know, it's okay. You don't even like to go to parties. Just let it go. Just don't let that even be a thing. Like water off a duck's back, do not get offended when people do things and they, they don't intentionally mean to harm you. Let it go. It's all small stuff. Just let it go. I'm reading the Bible here. Paul says, you've got to bear with one another. This is the only way we can get along in the body of Christ. 
Just overlook the same kind of stuff that you hope everybody overlooks with you. Got that part? Let's move on. Make allowance for each other's faults. Bear with one another and forgive anyone who offends you. This is where the unoffendable part comes in because if you've already, you know, purpose in advance that you're going to forgive anybody who offends you, then guess what? You don't ever get offended. Forgive anyone who offends you. Like I say, a lot of stuff you should just let go. Don't even waste forgiveness on it. Just grow up and let it go. Move on with your life, you know. But uh, there's going to be big stuff. And people will hurt you. Um, and sometimes they mean it or they know that they've done it. They, you, you could say they intentionally have harmed you. I say, say forgiveness for those moments when they've intentionally harmed you, you know? And then we're talking forgiveness. Um, I, I know it's hard. I would go so far as to say it's impossible, but, but hear me out. I say forgiveness is always a miracle. It is not in you to forgive. It's not in me either. It's, it's a miracle. It really takes a miracle. But I truly believe that God works miracles. And that's why I say forgiveness is always a miracle. It's always God's work, which means you can't do it without him. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to be a person who forgives. But you have the Holy Spirit, right? You're a believer, right? And, and so... This is a way of life for us. God will work that miracle of forgiveness for any heart that surrenders to him. You have to forgive. You have to forgive. Say, Pastor Tim, you don't know what he did to me. I don't. doesn't matter. You still have to forgive. Well, Pastor Tim, I will forgive her when she comes and tells me she's sorry. I don't ever think she said she's sorry. She's never said she's sorry. The Bible doesn't say forgive those who tell you that they're sorry. You can forgive them and they may not even be sorry. You still have to forgive. Let's talk about some things forgiveness is not. Okay, well, it's not forgetting. Can we just be clear about that? When people say forgive and forget, they, they, they do not go together and forgiveness is not forgetting. I have to forgive because I can't forget. That make sense? If I could forget, I wouldn't need to forgive. Like, if you could just conk me in the head and I don't remember it, then forgiveness is unnecessary. I, forgiveness is necessary because you can't forget. You can't. That, that's not how we're made. So forgiveness is not forgetting. It's also not excusing it. You know, if someone really hurts you, forgiveness isn't saying, well, it doesn't really matter. Because, no, th- th- there is an offense or there's a wound, there's a sin here, and it matters What they've done matters, and forgiveness is not to not take the offense seriously. Forgiveness is serious business. So it's not excusing. It's not denying that it happened. It's not just trying to shove the feelings to the bottom and act like it didn't happen. No, forgiveness takes very seriously the offense. What Paul says here is you got to forgive anybody who offends you because you're going to remember that the guy forgives you, you know. You, you, you've been forgiven. He forgives you every time. I don't know about y'all. I know there are a lot of ways to sin. I, I'm not that great at sinning in a lot of ways, but I have a couple of sins down really well. 
Now, I've got a couple of sins that, you know, I'm gold medalist. I'm not proud of that. I'm just saying that when I go to the Lord to ask for forgiveness, I'm usually asking him to forgive me for something that I've done a million times and prayed a million times to be forgiven for. You, you know what I'm saying? And he never, ever says, you know, that's it. You know, I've forgiven you for that 9,999 times. I'm not going to forgive No, no, no. Every time I come out to forgiveness, he just forgives me. As far as the east is from the west, he just removes my sin. He doesn't bring it up again. So forgiveness isn't forgetting, but it really is that commitment never to bring it up again. You're just going to stop bringing it up. You can't necessarily forget, but you can stop practicing to remember. So stop going over it. Stop bringing it up. Now, some of you have had very difficult marriages, and you've been in a diff- maybe your marriage is difficult now. And in marriage, you can really hurt one another. You can really hurt one another. I mean, after a certain amount of time together, she knows exactly where to punch that will just really hurt. I mean, she knows how to destroy you. And same way for him, and he knows exactly what to say that will crush her. And the problem is in marriage, you go there. You go there. I mean, you're punching below the belt now, but you don't care because you want to hurt him. You want to hurt her. And in marriage, you should never do this, but you've done it. And now you've hurt each other in all of the, all of the worst ways you could hurt one another. How do you move on from that? Well, you can't move on if one or the other is going to keep bringing it up. You know, there you go again. I knew, I, you know, you said you'd never do it, but there you're doing it again. I, I knew I couldn't trust you. I mean, you know, you can't keep bringing it all up. That's not forgiveness, but forgiveness means I just surrender the right to keep bringing it up. I, I may never forget it, but I make a promise to you, I, I will never bring that up again. It, it will never be an issue between us. I promise you, I'm putting it away. I mean, that's forgiveness. You know what I'm saying? Forgiveness is just surrendering that, that desire, that, that entitlement you feel like you have to get even to hit back. No. Forgiveness puts it away. It's the only, it's, it's the only bridge that, that the Lord gives us that lets us move from the past into a future once we've hurt each other. It's forgiveness. And that's why in the church it matters so much. Because we, we want I mean, God's intentions as a body of Christ that, that, that we get through this together, that we, that we grow together and live together, and, and, and we want to be members of the same body for as long as possible. That's the problem with churches these days. Like, you get mad, and all you got to do is change churches. You don't have to fool with forgiveness. You know, just change churches. Or like in a church like Woodburn, all you got to do is pick another service. Like that's why you're at 11, because this lady at 8 o'clock, it's not that you hate her. It's just that you don't have any use for her. That's what we say. It's what we say in Kentucky, right? I don't hate her. I just don't have any use for her. And so she's going to 8 o'clock, and now that's why you're at 11. And you think that you've cheated the whole system. Like, you don't have to forgive her because, like, you just don't have any use for her. So, like, she can go at 8 and you'll come at 11. You just don't ever have to see her. Okay, that's not the plan. That bitterness, that sin is still in your heart. That wound is still in your heart. And the only way forward is forgiveness. How do you know when you've done it? Like, like that's, forgiveness is one of those things like, you know, it can still hurt. You know, kind of like if you break your arm and it's healed, but then it still aches when it rains. 
You know, it's like sometimes you may still feel the hurt of what somebody's done to you and, and you remember that. How do you know when forgiveness has happened? How do you know when it's real? Well, it takes time. It's not like a one-time deal where I just, okay, I forgive. It's, it's a process, and you're going to have to do it. You may have to forgive over and over and over for a while. I think it's a process. I, I think that you know forgiveness is real, and I don't have a Bible verse for this. This is just, it's out of my life. Um, I think that forgiveness is real when you can think of that person without thinking about what they did to you. You know what I mean? Like when, when you can think about her, think about him, but not also think about the way they hurt you. I think there's something about mature forgiveness when you're to that point, or at least when you get to the point where uh, you can pray for them and actually wish them well. Like, like not yet, yeah, Lord, Lord, let them get hit by a bus. Lord, you know, I'm praying for them. Lord, just let them get, let them get hemorrhoids. Let them get a stomach virus, you know. No, you can just begin to pray and, and honestly hope that, good things happen. I think forgiveness, you know that you've been set free when you can wish them well. Nothing easy about any of this, but, but you know, this is the body of Christ we're talking about. I mean, we are in a world where it is easier and quicker for people to just get offended, man. They get mad. It's like ticking time bombs. Everybody is so easily set off, but that's not who we are. That's not what Jesus is like. And since we're becoming more like Jesus, then we're becoming more and more like people who go through life and don't get offended. We don't have to get mad. We don't have to get even. We know how to bear with people. We know how to forgive, you know. Last verse, uh, I'll share with you from verse 15. It's the passage today. Scripture says, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. The peace that comes from Christ rules in your heart. In other words, what, what controls you, what controls your heart is the peace that comes from Christ. So that means that you don't have to just respond to what people do to you because you're not controlled by what people do to you. That makes sense? Did I say that right? You don't have to be controlled by the way people hurt you or the way they disappoint you. It is the peace of Christ that is supposed to rule in your heart. And, and, and this is what we're going for. I guess the quickest way to know if the peace of Christ is ruling in your hearts is, is what it takes to disturb your peace, you know? What it takes to, to get you to blow up, what it gets, takes to make you fall apart. I mean, that peace of Christ should control us. That's who we are. Like I say, there's a whole world of people these days, man, they will get mad, they will get offended so quickly. But that's not who we are. We are the people of Christ, and his peace rules our hearts. Pray with me.